It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 20th day of June, 2015. Um... We're here with our guest speaker, uh, John Rossi, with the Blue Water Navy. And John's going to give us some updates here and uh, and uh, status reports on how everything's going with the Blue Water Navy. And also, if you, if you have a question or comment, uh, feel free to call in. Our call-in number is 347 two three seven four eight one nine. Uh now this call in number once again is three four seven two three seven four eight one nine. So feel free to call in if you have a question or comment uh, about the Blue Water Navy. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right this morning, Gerald. Well, that's here. good to hear. Uh, how's how's the Blue Water uh, uh, Navy doing? I know they have a bill in the works and and uh, uh, working on on several different things here. But uh, what's the status of the bill? Do you do you have enough code signers, or you need more? We need to get people working on that. Well, it's always uh, good to get more co-signers. Let me kind of give you a review of what we've got going. In the House, the uh, bill is H.R. 969, and uh, at last count that had about uh, 225 or so, maybe it's a little more than that, um, co-signers, and that's over the uh, 218, which is half the House, so it's it's uh, one half plus one vote, um, and the co-signers have been growing on that. It might be a little bit higher than than what I just said, uh, but that uh, in the House we we've got some some good support on that. Uh, in the Senate, that that bill is S six eight one, and we believe that we've got some uh, good support, and and I would venture to say that we've got enough support to uh, get that bill through the Senate or, or very close to it. But we still need people to contact their senators, uh, and, it's, and the contact is best from the constituent of that state. Um, if, you, uh, if, the, if the listeners know how to um, go on to some service like uh, Thomas uh, dot LOC Library of Congress, uh, it, can, it can give you a brief overview of what the what the bill is, how many have signed on, and who have who has signed on. Um, and if your senator is not on that list, we would certainly love to to have uh, some pressure from the constituents of that state to get the senators on board. <clears throat> now we've we've had some. Things going on with the uh, uh, the Senate bill was essentially, uh, uh, and especially here in, in the very recent past, um, the uh, in the Senate they wanted to attach this bill as a uh, amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act, and um, there were actually over 500 amendments that were. Uh, People were trying to uh, attach to the to this bill, uh, so they I think they put a couple of them on there and they just kind of scrubbed the rest of them. Uh, it was um, a lot of uh, what hooking hooking your favorite bill on to uh, to something that, that was going to have to pass. So so we um, our, our bill was eliminated from the, the list of those that were. Um, 
send in as, as amendments to that. So, so it now exists again as uh, as Bill uh, S six eight one, and it's still still moving forward. Um, I, I think there's going to be a markup on this pretty quick, and, and I've been hearing uh, oh, July July 16th or 17th as a as a date when the markup um, is going to uh, occur. Um, essentially, the markup hearing will uh, give that bill a chance to be discussed uh, in the in the committee, the, the Senate. Veteran Affairs Committee, <clears throat> and at that point, uh, all the pros and cons will be uh, talked about. Uh, there, will, there will be several bills in this markup, uh, so ours is uh, ours is one of those. We already know that the VA plans to uh, show up and and um, be uh, against passage of this bill as as well as against passage of several of the others that are being marked up. Um, they're they're kind of running out of uh, reasons that uh, that are that hold water essentially. Um, the the uh, the biggest um, argument against the uh, the bill that they've been using is that it's that the IOM really has uh, said that there was no uh, exposure to the to the Blue Water Navy, and we've seen that that um, that was shown to be wrong um, by a CAVC ruling that was, I think, on the 23rd of April, uh, and that's that's going to be uh, that's going to be something else we kind of want to talk about. There've been a couple other um, actions like this uh, uh, Court of Appeals for Veteran Claims ruling and Gray versus McDonald that um, are going to have an effect on on the Blue Water Navy, but but the bills the bills are still moving forward. The bills are in pretty good uh, position. Um, I'm I'm always cautiously optimistic. Uh, anything can happen. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see what uh, <clears throat> what gets put on the table during this uh, markup discussion. Now, uh, John, uh, didn't they, uh, the VA uh, expand some benefits for the Air Force personnel on them C-123 aircraft? Yes, uh, they did. Based on Agent North. It was. That was, uh, that was the uh, C-123 spray aircraft that uh, once they, they left Vietnam, uh, they essentially uh, removed all the spray equipment and they handed them over to the Air Force and Air Force Reserve units in a couple of places to use these planes to fly on their weekend uh, uh, training missions. And uh, the, the uh, crews and, and the uh, maintenance folks who, who were involved with those aircraft for a period of years from about 76 through about 83 and and you know I may be wrong on those numbers by a couple years uh, but uh, <clears throat> the people who flew those and who worked on them uh, came down with uh, a lot of the specific Agent Orange diseases and it was uh, really kind of a no-brainer these were planes that were contaminated um, the Air Force did a couple of tests, or a couple of tests were done at least, and uh, uh, showed, they showed the planes to be contaminated. Uh, and the Air Force has essentially melted all of them but one, so you really can't go now to, to the plane and, and do another test. But uh, that was that was on record. Um, the um, Institute of Medicine looked into that um, in January of this year, 2015. They came out with a report that essentially said that that using the tests that were done after the fact, um, before these these planes were destroyed, uh, the tests showed that there was a 
residue of the Agent Orange TCDD, which is the dioxin, uh, the levels on these planes were higher than what is acceptable to uh, to the standard that, that is, you know, safe level. And, and really, there, there isn't any level for safe level, but, but these were uh, 100 times higher or more than than what's acceptable uh, on, on the books. So just here uh, last week, uh, the, the VA has, uh, was, was pressured by the Senate, and um, they have agreed that they will pay now the uh, benefits for these C-123 air crews and maintenance crews that have been getting sick and dying of the, of the dioxin-caused diseases. And the uh, whole uh, project of that was, was led by uh, um, retired uh, Major Wes Carter, who did an outstanding job of uh, getting some public attention on this and finding exactly the right scientific uh, uh, people to make statements, and he uh, uh, led this thing uh, right on through to the to the final goal. And uh, so, you know, I've I've known Wes by email for quite some time, uh, and I'm pretty impressed with with what he did. He certainly did a good job. What about this this uh, uh, bill they have uh, for Toxic Exposure Research Act of 2015 at HR 1769? Would that be of any benefit to the Blue Water Navy, or make it easier well, for them to get their point across? Well, it would if anybody's alive by the time they finish the study. Um, oh, they man. they should study just all toxic, um, and, and essentially it, it is broader than just Agent Orange, but it's the study of toxic materials that are, that are used within the military, and uh, I, I can only hope that, that uh, the results of the study, even if it's too late for the Blue Water Navy. Uh, it's going to help some of these young kids because they're running into the same uh, problem. The, the, these younger vets from from the current uh, wars that we've had and the recent ones we've had are still running into some um, brick walls that the that the VA puts up in terms of uh, where the where the burn pits are really toxic and and what uh, documentation is required for that. Uh, heck, it hasn't been that long since they've started uh, even discussing and, and doing rulings with the, the Gulf War guys from the, from the 90s. So, um, I know. You know. Uh, I think that Senate bill on that one was 901. But... Uh, this exposure issues, uh, folks, I'm, I mean to tell you, it's serious. And Blue Water Navy is a fine example uh, uh, where uh, veterans can be exposed and, and, you know, they're just suffering. And the BA don't want well, the, to recognize the, it. The terrible thing about it, in, in my uh, humble opinion, is that... Uh, we can lay the uh, strongest medical and scientific evidence on the table that shows that there really wasn't much of a chance that this the whole area uh, in in South Vietnam, the whole of South Vietnam, was not pretty well saturated with with the Agent Orange, and specifically for the Blue Water Navy, the uh, study of the wind patterns and the and the tidal uh, movements um, uh, uh, have have shown that, uh, that yeah, that the the areas where the Blue Water Navy mainly was uh, was right in the path of the the winds that blew things offshore and the, the uh, 
currents of the water that carried it out to certain areas, and uh, it's just uh, totally been ignored by the VA. And as a matter of fact, not just ignored, but uh, but they're uh, pretending to be totally convinced that it's not true. Now I, I have a conclusion I've drawn that essentially uh, says it's 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 so apparent that if the VA is denying that, there's only one or two conclusions you can come to. Uh, the first one is that they're so uh, ignorant uh, that they don't understand exactly what this is all about, um, that they're just not doing their job, or that they're lying about it. And I, I can't see any other. I can't see any other uh, choice of those two. I think they're lying about it. Uh, they're not that ignorant, uh, John. They're they're pretty smart people. Uh, they're clever like foxes. They, yeah, and, and it comes down to a money game, obviously. And I don't understand why it should whenever. Uh, you're involving uh, sick veterans, uh, disabled veterans, uh, a lot of them, and uh, they can't get due process, and they have to fight the VA in every every turn they take. Uh, and what do you do? I, I mean, legislation's the only thing I can see that'll work. Uh, if we can't get uh, Congress to stand up and say, hey, you're going to do the right thing, uh, there's enough evidence, and I believe there is enough evidence. And, and probably uh, the evidence is so overwhelming that they they can't really deny it. other than just, like you say, lie. <laughs> well, we've uh, we've watched them. And all over the years we've been fighting, and, and that's really what they come to the table with. Um, you know, you're 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 right. It's it's uh, up to Congress to do this, um, which brings up a, another kind of harsh question, and that is, you know, if Congress really wanted this to have taken place, uh, if Congress really wanted to step in and make things better for the for the veterans, it'd have been done. Um it, the blue water would have been done. Uh they'd have been on the watch every time a uh, a problem came up for the new veterans, they'd be right on the ball, they'd be um just uh, demanding that the that the VA do one thing or another or or essentially what they've done they Congress have insulated the VA to the point that that it's it's impossible for any other force, uh, any other court system, any other uh, legal um, avenue to take place and to uh, get to the VA. They they've walled them in in into a a very uh, self-contained. Uh, fiefdom, uh, a little uh, uh, compartment of their own where where their law and their justice system and their enforcement system is one uh, packaged, uh, insulated, insulated area. Uh, no other force can get in there to to make changes, and uh, that's that's all been because Congress has passed laws to protect the VA from uh, from outside influence. And they've done it so well that it's now working against the, the veterans. And that has to be looked at pretty seriously if we expect ever to uh, be able to, to get control of the VA system. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to have to come down to legislation and it's going to have to be some harsh legislation. Uh, you know, the House regulates funds, but 
they're afraid to withhold funds from the VA as a punishment. That's only till they have, evidently, uh, is to withhold funds, and thereby they're, they're uh, creating more damage to the veterans uh, withholding funds. But uh, the House and Senate's going to have to get together and and do some proper legislating and take care of this uh, BA issue. It's been going on too long, and uh, it's caused the lives of many veterans. And and uh, it's inexcusable. Well, and, it is, uh, and uh, we're talking about a rogue agency. Yes. As far as I'm concerned, even the courts uh, seem to be afraid of the VA. Uh, you know, it's hard to get a fair shake in the courts. Uh, many times they'll rule on the side of the VA because the VA will go in there and lie to them. Uh, well, the, there's that, but there's also the fact that, uh, for instance, we we brought our suit uh, in the uh, federal district court the, uh, of the District of Columbia, and that judge ruled that uh, she had no jurisdiction to make a ruling, uh, and the reason she had no jurisdiction is because Congress has so well protected any outside agency from from uh, penetrating the, the, the legal walls around the VA that... Uh, she, her conclusion was was correct for the for the reasons that uh, that she reviewed uh, that court system that uh, does not have the authority to tell the VA anything about benefits uh, related issues, and so that pushes it back into the either the uh, board of appeals or at the next level, the Court of Appeals for Veteran Claims, and the final uh, arbiter of that uh, uh, court setup is the um, Federal Circuit Court. And that's been set up specifically to deal with the problems of various agencies, including the VA. Uh, and outside of that, uh, you just you just can't seem to to get in because it's it's been the walls have been built around it with with the legal um, protections that Congress has given the VA. They're either going to have to start removing some of those or or allowing some kind of uh, overview that that uh, you know they can get in and make these changes in the VA. You notice that. I've watched uh, on uh, some of these hearings, uh, House uh, Veterans hearings, uh, and the BA, and the BA is just, they go in there and just snub them. You know, what are you going to do? (laughs) And. Yeah, they've had that attitude for. They've had that attitude for a long time. Uh, they, in, in my opinion, they they pretty much thumb their nose at uh, anything the the uh, Congress asks for, tells them to do, uh, anything like that. There's not much uh, leverage the Congress has to simply, you know, uh, state that they want thus and such done. They want records turned over, or they want certain people to appear and and provide evidence and, and uh, testimony. Uh, the VA just doesn't pay attention to it. And, and the reason is there's no uh, leverage, there's no hammer to use against them. And um, now there, you, you indicated money is, is one way. Uh, that hurts the veteran, like you said. Uh, another way is to um, hold back on approval of the various nominations to, to fill the positions within the VA that has to be run by Congress, and that's really what occurred to force the VA to move ahead with the granting the C-123 
accrues their uh, exposure benefits for for uh, exposure to dioxin, and that was a a statement that uh, the Senate release that said, well, you know, we're, unless unless you take care of this problem and, and finalize it, we're not going to hold any hearings for the uh, directorship uh, positions that you need filled. And it, it was enough that it sounded like they were going to stick to that line that the VA finally relinquished. Uh, was, it, was it done out of the goodness of their heart? Uh, I'm not that. Uh, I'm not of that mind. I'm. Some people say I'm critical of the VA. <laughs> that's a blackmail. I have to resort to blackmail to get anything accomplished. Well, it's that's the only bad. thing that seems to work. I, I hate to well, say it, but, yeah. but it is. Uh, and of well, course, Secretary McDonald. I, I think he's at he's at um, the same disadvantage that uh, all the other previous secretaries have been uh, at, and that is he's surrounded by people that if they want him to know something, they'll tell him, and if they don't want him to know it, they won't tell him. And that may sound like a simplistic description, but uh, but if you dig into it, I think you're going to find that that's, that's really... Um, a big problem within the VA. I agree. Yeah, uh, it's the uh, higher echelons running the VA, with the exception of the top dog. I think he's sitting there and he's being fed what they want to feed him, in. and uh, you can't hardly make a, a proper decision uh, if somebody's giving you the wrong information and and so and that, and that, 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 that's true and, and the information flows downhill from there and you, you talk to the individuals who are at the various um, regional offices for instance and and you ask for you know their their reason on why they're not doing something or they're doing something in a certain way and uh, like like good soldiers, they spew forth the um, information that's been handed down to them. And if that information is wrong, just flat wrong, uh, those people uh, further down the line don't ever get a chance to know that. They uh, they hear one side, they hear all of the, the uh, adjusted information that supports that, and to them, um, they they believe they're they're doing the right thing. Uh, I think it's it's sad that that's happening, but I've seen it happen too often. Yeah, it is happening too often, John. And, well, uh, let's, let's talk about a couple good things, Carol. There there okay, have been some things that have been happening. Um, there's a couple of of. Um, Things. One was a ruling. One was a report uh, that has the potential, have the potential of um, impacting the, the problems of the Blue Water Navy and actually of a lot of other uh, similar types of, of toxic exposure uh, issues. Um, I, I've written up a, a little uh, set of ideas on how I think that these will affect the, the Blue Water Navy specifically, um, and, and those are on our BlueWaterNavy.org <clears throat> website. Um, when the um, Institute of Medicine wrote their report that I mentioned in January of this year that uh, was favorable to the C-123 pilots and, uh, and actually crew and, and maintenance crew, um, they, 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 the IOM, uh, came to some conclusions that have some far-reaching effects. Um, 
one thing was that, uh, well, this was the first time that uh, anyone that did not have boots on ground has been granted any uh, Agent Orange presumptive uh, benefits. Well, that's that's a significant thing because that's one of the things that's been holding Blue Water Navy back. Um, in their analysis, they essentially said, well, uh, we've looked at this equipment, this, uh, this inanimate object um, had uh, a uh, level of contamination that was extreme enough that it would expose those who uh, had you know close proximity to it there were there were either a, uh, exposure by dermal contact exposure uh, by ingestion or exposure by inhalation and you have to be you know fairly close to that object to do that they were talking about airplanes that had left uh, Vietnam uh, in the in the very later years of the war, but that opens the door, in my opinion, to the fact that there were objects that were uh, in the spray path of the various uh, runs that the, the ranch hand operation made when they sprayed the dioxin. And those those objects, those inanimate objects, just like the airplanes, just like the C-123s, they left the mainland of Vietnam. And on a daily basis, those things were flown out to the aircraft carriers in the daily uh, COD flights. And COD is COD, and it stands for Carrier on Delivery. And every day that plane would fly in, it would pick up supplies, materials, mailbags, uh, people that were standing around the tarmac uh, waiting waiting for their flights. The tarmac was just down 100 yards from where the, the uh, ranch hand operations were taking place and where the, this... Uh, Uh, 
at the end of an operation or shipped out to the ships to be repaired. Uh, all that stuff contained um, the, the TCDD, the, the dioxin that was in the uh, Agent Orange. So that opens the door to some some pretty interesting arguments that can be made that, that will show that, that yeah, the, the Blue Water Navy not only was uh, the, the recipient of airborne and waterborne uh, dioxin, but they just, they were carrying it out on a daily basis to um, to the carriers to, to be worked on, to be take, take radios to be taken apart, well, radios could have been saturated, and the internal parts of the radio had uh, a contamination level just as high as the C-123s had. Um, it's um, it, it's a, it's going to make some creative writing, but I think the claims for that type of exposure uh, ought to skyrocket at this point. The, the, the IOM signed off on, on the concept. Well, that... Uh... Now, that could be really beneficial for the veterans, I would think, uh, that was on board them ships, because uh, if the IOM signed off on it, it's going to be hard for the VA to say, no, that didn't happen, uh, because now we got evidence that they, it did happen, and it's quite obvious uh, as to what they're saying makes sense. I mean, you have a vehicle over there on the ground, or like uh, radio equipment, anything that got transferred to the ship, uh, even the mail, you know, uh, uh, that's transferring uh, uh, something that uh, toxic chemicals is what they were doing, actually. Yeah, it's, I, I'd okay. say it's pretty clear. There have been lots of studies done. Uh, about the movement of uh, of contamination uh, without really having TCTD in mind, but uh, there have been um, studies about uh, how the dust gets trampled into to the various uh, people's houses, for instance, as um, uh, how some of the uh, the lead particles are being. Um, are contaminating the houses and the families, uh, say, in the Pueblo, Colorado area, where they had the uh, smelter uh, that, that left a lot of lead and, and arsenic in the soil. And just the movement of the, of the dirt is now the focus of, of how, that, uh, how those poisonings are now taking place. Uh, this, is, this is something that's on a much bigger and uh, and more obvious scale. So I, I believe that there's going to be some impact uh, to Blue Water Navy and other claims for toxic exposure uh, based on the fact that, uh, that we've now got, you know, some documentation that we can point to. Yeah, that would be uh, classified as cross-contamination. Is that a, Did they classify it as that? Well, as, as uh, the, uh, at least the transport of, of toxic material, yeah. That'd, that'd be direct contamination, uh, yeah. Yeah, that would be that'd direct be, exposure. Yes. Uh, well, I think it would be hard for the VA to get out of that. Why they didn't on that sooner? Well, if they um, if it's written up correctly, uh, I think I think there's going to be a pretty strong claim. Now, there's there's another one I want to bring up, uh, Gerald, and it's the um, the ruling that was made by the uh, Court of Appeals for Veteran Claims, uh, and that ruling came out on, and I believe it was April twenty third. Uh, the case was uh, Gray versus McDonald, and Mr. Gray um, brought to the table the question of 
um, was Da Nang Harbor an inland waterway? And essentially, it, it is a much wider question when, when they get down to looking at the uh, details of it. Were waterways outside of the VA's definition of boundaries of the VA of the of uh, Vietnam were any of those waterways contaminated and able to contaminate and expose uh, Blue Water Navy personnel? And they that the court uh, did a pretty good analysis, I think, and they came up with some um, conclusions that that were a blow to the to the VA uh, in in several ways. They essentially said that the definitions that the VA has been using for what is inland water and what is not inland water uh, were were very um, ambiguous and sort of sort of secondary to that. The question was, well, you know, why is the VA even worrying about this uh, distinction of blue water, brown water, or inland water, non-inland water, when actually the, the question is what areas, what places were likely to result in the exposure of the ships and the personnel to the spraying of, of herbicide. So the question of was Da Nang Harbor an inland waterway is something that's now you have to look at it in terms of was Da Nang Harbor a place where it was likely that a ship or a person was exposed to herbicide. Uh, having nothing to do with whether or not the description of the harbor is uh, one that was easy to, to drive your ship into or or uh, whether it was uh, surrounded or not surrounded on three sides by land. That, that focus of the VA was ruled as being uh, a misinterpretation of what they should have been doing, and that's uh, they should be looking at whether or not that location is one where it's uh, more likely than not uh, a place where exposure took place. Now, with with uh, Da Nang Harbor, we, we've uh, put together a report called the Da Nang Harbor Report, and it, uh, and it talks about the flight paths of the C-123s as they approached and and, um, and left the runways there in Da Nang, and um, it tells the story of the problems ahead with the, with the uh, spray mechanisms that were used on the, on the planes, and the fact that there was uh, several years worth of leakage uh, from those uh, spray nozzles. Um, when they crossed over the uh, water of, of the of the bay, uh, the harbor, those uh, those nozzles were leaking. Well, after about uh, 13 years or so of the spray planes doing the same thing, that's going to amount to uh, to a bit of um, large quantity of of dioxin that, that dripped on into the into the bay. Uh, I would think got, so. I mean it just takes a you know, several drops a day and like like watching your water bill, um yeah. with, with your faucet just dripping, uh it's gonna it's gonna add up. Uh have they got done, some have they done testing on that bay, uh here recently, I would imagine that bay is still hot. It well, still show uh, residue of, of Agent Orange. 
to the best of my knowledge, there's never been any sort of uh, something like a core sample of the, of the sediment. But uh, in in various years, they've looked at the life forms that that uh, you know were in the bay, and and they have found that the uh, fish and the and the hard shell of you know crabs and things like that have have a level of uh, of dioxin higher than what's uh, considered to be safe. Um, uh, something similar to that uh, in in the Phong Tao area down uh, south, just uh, just to the north end of the Mekong Delta, uh, there were coral reefs uh, right right off the. Uh, oh, uh, uh, maybe that's in the Trang, okay, so that's up the coast a little bit. But at any rate, they found that the, that the coral reefs uh, have been essentially decimated by dioxin. Um, they've, they've had to move position. They've, uh, they, definitely, they definitely were contaminated by the TCDD uh, dioxin. And well, how long did that take? Um, and if they're contaminated now, uh, that it's persistent, but over the years it, it degrades a bit. Um, if same question about the T uh, the C-123 planes, if it's contaminated at some point in time, that means it had to have contamination of that level or higher at an earlier point in time. There's there's detail like that that the uh, that the VA just uh, essentially kind of skips over, and uh, and it's now time I think for for these sorts of uh, details to be brought up into the claims of of those who were exposed. Uh, there there's a couple other interesting things that the court said about the, about the VA and the one that I that I really love is, is one that I had sent up a red flag on and really that is that when the um, when the Institute of Medicine the IOM uh, did the study for the VA on Blue Water Navy and Agent Orange contamination uh, they concluded that they had no data to work with to actually complete the study. And so the study was was shifted from a scientific study where they discussed the quantity and it was shifted to a, a qualitative, um, I want to say a qualitative analysis, but it was, it was that, but uh, one or two degrees even less than that because it was the uh, the implications and uh, uh, well, I, before I forget the word, but at any rate, it, it was their guess of what could have, might have been plausible. Um, and that's not a very strong scientific uh, paper when, when you have to get to that level. And in 2012, almost 18 months after that study came out, the VA finally came out with their assessment of it. And uh, it was at the 26th of December 2012, and their conclusion was the IOM study shows that the Blue Water Navy was definitely not exposed to Agent Orange, uh, something similar to those words. Uh, and when that happened, uh, I thought that was so outrageous and such a uh, uh, untruth that that I said that the VA needs to be held publicly accountable and censured for that statement because it was an outright lie. Um, when this court of appeals uh, looked at the various reasons that the VA has been denying 
Blue Water Navy claims, uh, one of the things that the VA has been doing is just having an, just an across-the-board attitude that the Blue Water Navy was not exposed to herbicide. Well, it turns out that that was, that was a wrong conclusion. And the Court of Appeals said uh, that the that the IOM study was too general in scope to make that conclusion, and that's exactly what I had said in 2012, uh, like three days after they released that statement, and um, that pretty much vindicated the assessment that I had made that uh, said, yep, you know, they can't come to that conclusion from from what the IOM said. Now, to, to take that to the next uh, level of, okay, what's the repercussion of that? Uh, my understanding of that is that the VA can no longer say the, the Blue Water Navy was not exposed to Agent Orange. Uh, that's, a, that's a false premise to move forward with, with assessing a claim from the Blue Water Navy. So if all things hold well on this, uh, any future or current present uh, assessment and adjudication of a Blue Water Navy claim has got to come up with some good reasoned basis for why that claim is not being um, uh, granted. And the uh, the statement that the requirement for boots on ground is not being met uh, is no longer valid in, in my interpretation of that because the exposed the exposure of the Blue Water Navy could have occurred. It's not ruled out anymore. So that opens another door for, for some creative uh, claim writing. Well, in other words, it's a possibility at the very least, I would say, that uh, they were exposed and... Uh, I would think, John, that when they come down with these uh, uh, different presumptives that's associated with with uh, Agent Orange, uh, boots on the ground, uh, I suspect there's a lot of sailors that have come down with the same ailments. And that, that alone ought to tell them something. Well, and that's uh, that's really the basis of it. It's it's uh, it's a presumption that uh, it's it's the it's the rule of presumption. And the rule of presumption says all there needs to be is a possibility, and what triggers the the uh, def the the, the, the um, application of a, of a grant is that if that individual comes down with one of the diseases that is on the presumptive list, then that in itself is the proof that they were exposed. And, of course, the Blue Water Navy has got the same diseases that uh, the boots on ground and the inland water guys have. And to not deny the Blue Water Navy is to say, well, there was a second cause. There was something else that caused that particular uh, prostate cancer or uh, other type of cancer or Parkinson's disease. It's the same type of disease. It's the same uh, presumptive disease that if you were on the ground, all you have to do is have that disease and the assumptions made that it was from the dioxin. Uh, when a Blue Water Navy personnel right now comes down with that disease, that assumption is not made. And that's, um, 
in my book that's using a different set of uh, principles to judge those those two different claims, uh, and that's not right. Uh, it seems to me that would be the... the th- that's going to have to be the issue that nails the BA down. Uh, is look, we got uh, the same disease on the ground and on the ship. Now that's obvious. That uh, chances are uh, the same cause for that disease uh, should be, you know. Uh, I don't know that how they get given. out of that. That should be a well, given, yeah. Now, a lot of people may not know, but a year before the, the uh, Agent Orange Act was uh, being put together, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, uh, did some studies uh, on on veterans and found that these the sea-based uh, veterans, and that's the Blue Water Navy, had a higher percentage of certain of the, the cancers that uh, ended up on the uh, presumptive exposure list. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the, the one that is the most prevalent was non-Hodgkin lymphoma. And that's a disease that is granted to Blue Water Navy without any relationship to herbicide whatsoever because the the uh, uh, percentage of, of the sailors that had that was so high that they said, well, the truth, it's got to be something. We don't know what it is. So we're going to say that just being in the vicinity of Vietnam gives the sailor a presumption of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, it's a, um, I want to say it's a little-known regulation, 38 CFR 3.313. And some of the things that we, the Blue Water Navy, did in the years between about uh, 2009 and, and actually up until present is to find sailors that were denied for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and to have those decisions overturned because the regulation says uh, those guys receive their benefits, not because they were exposed to herbicide, but because they were there in the vicinity of Vietnam. Um, I think that we overturned, well, easily several hundred uh, of those non-Hodgkin's lymphoma claims. So there's more to the the story and detail behind this uh, exclusion of the Blue Water Navy than than uh, is is typically known, and uh, that's what we're trying to bring out now with the um, the two legislations that will that will grant at least the individuals who are in the territorial seas now. That the limitation to the territorial seas was something that the uh, Senate put on because our original bill said anyone in the theater of combat. But if they'll take care of the territorial seas, that that is just about every ship uh, except the aircraft carriers on a regular basis. Uh, and I say that because in several instances that we found the aircraft carriers were in the territorial seas so everyone on board if these uh, bills get passed would be given the presumption of exposure uh john we are out of time uh we have 60 seconds uh, now uh people can come to your website uh, uh you want to give that out on here you bet. Uh, if they would go to uh, bluewaternavy.org, uh, the, the easiest way to find uh, essentially new stuff that's been put on the page is go to the update log, and uh, and as things are added, 
uh, it's chronologically uh, in reverse put in there, so the newest things are right on the top. BlueWaterNavy.org, and it's okay. a much larger site than it appears to be. All right. Well, John, I, that was a good show. I'm glad you came on, and uh, we are out of time. All right. Well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, Carol. That's no problem. Let's see if I can make this same work. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Basher Show. Okay, that clear us? That should clear us.